bring your Bibles with you. We're going to do a lot of work today in uh, First Kings, which is uh, where we get a bulk of the material about uh, about Elijah. Elijah does show up, however, in the New Testament. Uh, if you look at uh, James 5, James, as he's in a section where he's encouraging us to be uh, fervent in prayer and to uh, go ahead and employ that in our life, uh, in James 5, uh, he looks to Elijah as an example. He says, Elijah was just as human as we are. He was what? Wake up. Just as human as we are, right? Yeah, I mean, James is starting out from that position, and that's what we're doing too in, in all of these, is understanding that the folks we're talking about, even though they appear in the Bible, are, they're just real people. Uh, James looks at Elijah and says, look, from the get-go, we need to understand he was just as human as we are, but for three and a half years, his prayers kept the rain from falling. Not a bad prayer. Not a bad prayer. He asked the Lord to, to stop the rain for three and a half years, and the Lord did it. That's pretty good. James is looking at Elijah and saying, listen, now he's an ordinary guy, and his prayers were effective, and so you're ordinary people, and your followers just like he was, and your prayers can be effective. James is doing exactly what we're trying to do in this series of looking at each of these ordinary folks who did ex extraordinary things and became those kinds of heroes of the faith and then trying to apply them into our life and say, okay, well, what are these people doing? What did they do that made them extraordinary in what they're doing? And what can we apply into our lives? So if you're ready, we'll jump into Elijah uh, with, the first, uh, with the first big principle First thing with Elijah is to note that Elijah was a person who would not compromise uh, the truth of God. He would not compromise the truth of God. If you look at Elijah's name, the first half of the name is El, the last half of the name is Jah, and what it means when you put those together is Jehovah is God and there is no other. Right there in Elijah's name, we get the experience of what Elijah is supposed to stand for. Not only in his actions, but his name represents exactly the truth that he is supposed to stand for. And Elijah is one of those people of God who does exactly what his name says. He stands for God and he is unwilling to compromise the truth. You say, well, how do you stand? Here's what he did. Elijah was a prophet during the reign of a guy named King Ahab. King Ahab was supposed to be the king of Israel, obviously, but he was supposed to also be the prince of Israel. He was supposed to be the one that, that was the leader of God's people. But God had to bring Elijah alongside of him because Ahab got things in disorder. Ahab married a woman named Jezebel. Heard of her? Totally. Jezebel. Named, married a woman named Jezebel. Jezebel worshipped a foreign god called Baal. Ahab decided the best thing he could do to keep peace in his kingdom and I suppose keep peace in his household was, well, you know what's including one more God. Let's just compromise a little bit. Even though I'm the king and even though I am supposed to be the prince of Israel and I'm supposed to be the leader of God's people in Israel, well, you know, what's a little compromise? And so Ahab compromised and he built altars to Baal and he even brought into the uh, palace priests of Baal. So you had in the palace the 
the uh, priests of Jehovah God, but you also had in the palace the priests of the, of the idol god Baal. Do you see how Ahab was willing to just compromise a little bit? Elijah comes along and is, is the one who stands up and says, no, wait a minute, there is no compromise when it comes to the truth. When it comes to following God, there is no compromise. And so he stood before Ahab and he stood before all the people of Israel and said, look, you've got to get this right. You can't compromise the truth. You can't compromise your faith. You can't compromise when it comes to living the way God wants you to live. If we look at uh, 1 Kings uh, 18, in verse uh, 21 there, it says, Elijah stood in front of them, meaning the whole people of God that were gathered. He stood in front of them and he said, How much longer will you try to have things both ways? If the Lord is God, worship him. But if Baal is God, worship him. What's Elijah saying? You can't compromise. You've got to live one way or you live the other way. Is this a great message that we need to hear? That the church today needs to hear? That we need to be a people in our world who are willing to stand and be faithful just like Elijah and say, listen, this is who I am. I follow the Lord God. I follow Jesus Christ. This is who I am. How often is it too easy for us to compromise who God calls us to be? We compromise just to make things kind of polite and easy. We, we compromise because we don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers. We, we compromise because we want to keep peace in the household. We, we compromise because, well, you just don't talk about that stuff at work. And we... Elijah is one who understands that heroes, ordinary people who do extraordinary things, don't compromise when it comes to their faith. They stand based on who God has made them and called them to be in Jesus Christ, even if it means ruffling a few feathers. Elijah stood up. And if you look at uh, 1 Kings uh, 18, it says, Elijah told everyone to gather around him while he repaired the Lord's altar. Then he used 12 stones to build an altar in honor of the Lord. Each stone stood for one of the tribes of Israel, which was the name the Lord God had given to their ancestor Jacob. He just puts a stake in the ground and he says, look, this is who I stand for. This is what I am about. And he makes it obvious to everyone as he goes now and he rebuilds an altar of the Lord that has long been forgotten. Elijah is willing to stand up in the middle of all of those around him who have walked away from God and say, no, wait a minute. This is who I stand for. This is what I stand for. I'm not willing to compromise my faith. I'm not willing to compromise what I stand for. He stands up and he rebuilds the altar and he recovers and reminds people, listen, this is who we are. We are the people of God. And he points back to the ancestors as he builds this altar. Paul warns us, the apostle, he warns us uh, in the New Testament as well about how easy it is for us if you look at Romans 12, he says, Don't be like the people of this world, but let God change the way you think. Then you'll know how to do everything that is good and pleasing to him. Notice he starts out saying, Look, don't be like the people of the world. Don't try to fit in. Don't compromise who God has made you so that you can just somehow get along. Don't compromise 
who, how God has made you and the faith he's called you to stand for just so somehow you can fit in. No, stand for who you are and be who God has called you to be. This is a message we all need to hear. It would be easy this morning just to stand up here and say, yeah, boy, all those kids in junior high, they need to hear this, right? Or all those kids in high school, yeah, they, they, they really need to hear this. But you know what? We all need to hear this. Because the reality is too often today our church compromises in our culture. And it's time for the church to stand up and say, no, wait a minute, this is who God calls us to be and this is the truth that we stand for. That's what heroes do. That's what the people who do extraordinary people who do extraordinary things do. That's not an easy thing to do. But we can do it when we rely on God's provision. That's the next point. Heroes rely on God's provision. Can you imagine how popular Elijah was when he stood up? When he stood up to Ahab and he stood up to all the people? I mean, he didn't become an instant popular person, right? And so we get the experience where uh, Elijah, the prophet from Tishbe and Gilead, one day he went to King Ahab and said, I am a servant of the living God, the Lord, the living Lord, the God of Israel, and I swear in his name that it won't rain until I say so. There won't even be any dew on the ground. Now this is extraordinary what Elijah is doing. He is not compromising his faith, and he is willing to trust God's provision. And so he goes to Ahab and says, Look, you're not going to like this, but it's not going to rain until I say so. Now, why is this so drastic? This is so drastic because Baal, the, for, the idol god Baal, was the god of rain, thunder, fertility of the crops. Elijah is standing up and addressing this foreign idol exactly in the place where that idol is purposed. He is standing up and saying, man, I am going to stand up for the truth and show you. I'm going to show you the truth. And he does it exactly in that place where Baal is supposed to be its strongest. He is willing to stand up for God, and he's willing to stand up in total contradiction to what is false. He's willing to stand up to God, and he's willing to address the issue head on. Is he being politically polite here? Not at all. He is standing up simply for the truth and saying, look, I'm going to show you the truth exactly in that place where it is false. He is willing to address the falsehood head on. This did not make Elijah very popular. And can you imagine how Ahab responded to this? Well, if you, uh, if you look at the, the next slide here, it says, later the Lord said to Elijah, leave. Good idea, right? This did not make Ahab very happy. It certainly didn't make Jezebel very happy. That was her God he's messing with, right? And so God enters in and gives Elijah direction and provision to preserve him. Later the Lord said to Elijah, leave. Go across the Jordan River so you can hide near the Cherith Creek. You can drink water from the creek and eat the food I've told the ravens to bring you. And Elijah obeyed the Lord and went to live near the Cherith Creek. And the ravens brought him bread and meat twice a day, and he drank water from the creek. 
You see God's provision? See, so often we're afraid to take a stand. Why? Because we're afraid of the outcome. But extraordinary people who do extraordinary things for the purposes of God understand the outcome rests with God's provision, that God is going to provide for us no matter the outcome. Elijah takes the stand. He ruffles some feathers. He gets in Ahab's face. And what does God do? God enters in and says, Okay, Elijah, you need to get out of this environment for a little while. So I want you to go over there to the Cherith Creek. And then he does this extraordinary thing and has ravens provide food for him. But now remember remember what the, uh, what the challenge was for Elijah. Elijah said it would not rain, remember? He said it wouldn't rain till he said so. So he goes to the Cherith Creek. God provides for him, but what ultimately happens in verse 7 to the creek? It hasn't rained. So what happens to creeks when it doesn't rain? They dry up. It dried up. Now, can you imagine Elijah's potential responses in that moment? Wouldn't it be easy for Elijah to have said, Man, God, I stood for you. I did what you want me to do. I ruffled from some feathers. I trusted you, and now look, the creek dried up. What am I going to do? How often, how easy is it for us to keep trying to follow what God leads us to, and then one little problem happens, one little thing goes wrong that we don't expect, and all of a sudden we say, well, God, you really failed me now. How easy it would have been for Elijah to get off track and say, man, I trusted God, and look, look, look what it got me. If you follow what happens next, of course, the creek dried up and said, the Lord then enters in and says, Elijah, go to the town of Zarephath inside and live there. And I've told a widow in that town to give you food. What happens? God opens another opportunity for Elijah because why? He's being faithful. You see that? See, when we stand for God, when we do what God wants us to do, God is involved and God is going to be our provision. Doesn't mean everything's going to go smooth. Of course not. We may experience problems and challenges and disappointments, but God's provision is still there. God's provision is still there, active in our life. The creek dried up. Of course the creek dried up. It hasn't rained for a long time. The creek dries up. God enters in again and sends him over to this widow. And with the widow, of course, we have this incredible story where God provides a, a jar of meal that never fails and a cruise of oil that never goes dry. And he provides both for Elijah and for the widow and for the widow's son. What did it take from Elijah? It took for Elijah to completely trust God's provision. That he was going to stand for the truth and that God would provide. That God would take care of in the midst of his being faithful and standing up for that truth. The Apostle Paul learned the same thing. You heard it from uh, the... The reading this morning in Philippians, I'm not trying to get something from you, but I want you, to, want you to receive the blessing that comes from giving. I've been paid back everything with interest. Isn't that an extraordinary statement? Paul's saying, look, I, I understand. I, you know, you provided for me again and again. God has provided through you for my ministry again and again. I'm going to tell you, it's been more than I can imagine. It's been paid back with interest. And look where he ultimately gets down to. He says, I pray that God will take care of all your needs with the wonderful blessing that comes from Jesus Christ. What does Paul understand? God's provision. 
Well, you act faithful. These folks in Philippi and Thessalonica, they're acting faithfully and they're providing for Paul's ministry and they're giving. And Paul says, look, this is extraordinary for me. I, I can't believe how, how I'm being paid back with interest. And, and I know that God's going to provide for you too. He understands the principle that when you stand for God, that God is going to be involved in your life and he is going to be your provision. Will it always come in the way you expect it? Maybe not. The creek may dry up, but God's not done. And God's provision is always ample for whatever we're doing when we're faithful. It means ultimately that if we are standing for God and we're relying on God's provisions, we're also going to have to rely on God's patience. We're going to have to exercise patience in just trusting God's movement and work in our life. If you look at 1 Kings 17 here, it says, Elijah was a prophet from Tishbe and Gilead. And we told you this before, but one day he went to the king of Ammon and said, I'm a servant of the Lord. It's not going to rain. And there won't even be dew on the ground. Did you notice that last one? Not only is it not going to rain, but there won't be any dew on the ground. So he makes this bold statement, but then what has to happen? Time has to pass. Time has to pass. I mean, Elijah didn't just go into Ahab and say, now, I'm not going to make it, it's not going to rain, there's nothing going to be dew on the ground, this is going to be about maybe 24 hours. Would this have made a big impact for God if it would have been 24 hours? 48 hours? Three and a half years. Do you see the extraordinary difference? But what about Elijah? Elijah has to wait three and a half years. Think about that. He's made this bold proclamation. He has stood up for God and said, I am standing for the truth. I am not going to compromise. And now he's had to rely on God's provision, and he's had to rely on that and exercise patience for three and a half years. He has to wait on what God is doing. He has to wait and trust what God is doing. He has to wait and understand that God is greater and God is going to use the time according to His purpose and it just takes patience. Was Elijah just sitting there twiddling his thumbs, being useless to God? No, not at all. If you look at the next slide, he's there with a widow and... and uh, it says in 17, several days later, the son of the woman who owned the house got sick and he kept getting worse until he finally died. The son dies. The woman comes to Elijah and says, man, great that you came to my house. What would you do? Bring judgment on my house? My son's dead. I thought you were a prophet of God. And so Elijah has to be that prophet of God and he has to go to the Lord and begin to pray for the son who has died. And it says the Lord answered Elijah's prayer and the boy started breathing again and elijah picked him up and carried him downstairs and he gave the boy to his mother and said look your son is alive and she said you are god's prophet the woman replied now i know that you really do speak for the lord in those three and a half years as he's exercising patience god is still working in his life isn't he god is still busy but elijah has to exercise the patience of understanding that God is still at work. And if you go back to uh, 1 Kings 18, it says, For three years no rain fell in Samaria, and there was almost nothing 
to eat anywhere. And the Lord said to Elijah, Go and meet with King Ahab. I will soon make it rain. So Elijah went to see Ahab. Three and a half years, and in God's right timing, what happens? Okay, we've made our point. Okay, Elijah. Three and a half years. I think we got their attention. Okay, Elijah, we've stood for the truth now, and it's not rained for three and a half years, and there's nothing to eat. I think we got their attention. It's time now. Elijah had to be patient to let this thing unfold according to God's purposes and not his own. How hard is that? How hard is that for us? How hard is that? Wanting to to just rush it a little bit. Wanting to go according to our timeline. Wanting, well, okay, we'll stand for the truth and God, we're going to trust you for provision, but, you know, can you hurry it up a little bit? Elijah has to have that patience that says, look, God is in charge and God will unfold this according to His his purpose. One of the things we learned from Elijah is that it's not easy and it's not without its pitfalls. This standing for the truth and being ordinary people who do extraordinary things, it doesn't mean we won't experience our own personal challenges as we try to stand for God. Elijah does what God wants. He goes back. He has this extraordinary experience where, you know, they bring the prophets of Baal and there's Elijah and they have this battle about who's, who's the real God. And, and when it's all over, the prophets of Baal are killed. And Elijah, of course, is, is the winner. And word gets to Ahab and Jezebel that all of those prophets have been killed and they're a little ticked off about it. And so Jezebel decides she's going to get rid of Ahab, or she's going to get rid of uh, Elijah. And this is where Elijah understands that heroes, ordinary people, have to have that perseverance because they rely on God's presence in their life. That when struggles come, they're willing to rely on God's presence. Ahab told his wife Jezebel what Elijah had done, that he'd killed the prophets, She sent a message to Elijah. You killed my prophets. Now I'm going to kill you. I pray that the gods will punish me even more severely if I don't do it by this time tomorrow. And look what happened to Elijah. And Elijah was what? Ever been afraid? Elijah was afraid when he got her message and he ran to the town of Beersheba in Judah. Remember where we started with all these people? These are ordinary people who end up doing extraordinary things for God. But ordinary people, ordinary people face their own challenges. Elijah does this extraordinary thing for God, and yet he is captured by fear. He is captured by fear, and he runs out into the wilderness, and when he's out into the, in the wilderness... He sinks into this deep hole of darkness in his life. He's an ordinary guy. He's an ordinary guy. And as ordinary people, we can get captured by that disappointment. We can get captured by that darkness that comes into our life. Elijah is no different. But for him, he becomes extraordinary because God uses even this time in his life to show up and show him his presence. 
Elijah escapes, and it says in the next slide, suddenly an angel woke up, woke him up and said, get up and eat. And Elijah looked around, and by his head was a jar of water and some baked bread, and he sat up and he ate and drank and lay down, lay down and went back to sleep. My kind of guy. So the Lord's angel woke him up again and said, get up and eat. Must have been a snooze on the angel there, right? Snooze alarm. So the Lord's angel woke him up again and said, get up and eat, or else you'll get too tired to travel. So Elijah sat up and ate and drank. Did God abandon Elijah? Of course not. In spite of Elijah's humanity, in spite of his fear, in spite of his anxiety, in spite of his depression, God was not willing to abandon Elijah. And even in his fear and even in the darkness that he experienced, God was still being his provision. God was still present. He was providing for him. And ultimately, ultimately, God takes Elijah to that very place where Elijah will rediscover the presence and the power of God. If you look at Kings 19, 1 Kings 19, says, The food and water made him strong enough to walk for 40 more days. Isn't that amazing? How long did he walk? 40 days. He ever walked one day? He walked 40 days in the strength of that provision that God gave him. Even in his weakest moment, God's provision was equipping Elijah for more than Elijah could have ever anticipated. He walks for 40 days. And at last he reached Mount Sinai, the mountain of God, and he spent the night there in a cave. And while Elijah was on Mount Sinai, the Lord asked Elijah, why are you here? Even in his darkest time, God's provision was there for Elijah, and God's anticipation of what Elijah could still do was still there. God was providing, and God was providing Elijah with another purpose, another future, another opportunity to be extraordinary. You may have those times in your life where you feel far away from God. You may have those times in your life where you feel captured by fear and anxiety. You may have those times in your life where you're captured by depression. You may have those times in your life when God seems so far away. And Elijah teaches us how extraordinary God is. That when we stand for Him, when we rely on His provision, when we have patience in His timing, that even when He seems so far away, He is providing for us more than we could imagine and opening the opportunity for a new tomorrow. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the extraordinary example today of Elijah. We just pray now that you would help us to, to be those people who stand up in this time and place, that we're willing to stand for the truth and not let go of it, not compromise, but just trust in your provision, uh, trust in your promises, and exercise that patience that we need. And uh, in those times when we get down, when uh, you seem far away from us, Help us to hear that small voice and to see your provision and to know that you have another tomorrow yet waiting for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.